Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. And I'm afraid all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. And being afraid costs you money. The fear of losing is real. And it keeps us from getting rich. Now, as far as my fear goes, I don't know why I'm afraid all the time, but I'm afraid all the time. And coming off of this holiday season, it reminds me of why I'm afraid all the time. For me, there's no question it goes back to my upbringing when when my adopted dad would come home, it was like it, it was like the the air, the happiness got sucked out of the house. You know, you would we lived on a little dog leg street, and and he had this really loud whistle, and you would hear him. You would hear the whistle before you even saw the car, and you knew that when you heard the whistle, whether he was coming home from work or whatever, that that the party was over. And that created such an unsettled feeling within me as a kid. I still carry it today. It's even literally when I'm at my house, I'm never even comfortable in my own house. Like, uh, like around the holidays this, this past weekend, I had to get out of the house. Like my wife can hang out at the house for two days. I can't hang out at the house for two hours. Sometimes I just gotta, I just gotta go. I just gotta drive. I gotta go see houses. I got to come up with these small little projects that I can work on around the house. I'm just afraid. And it takes over in business too. I'm afraid all the time. I'm constantly thinking about my business. Is it going to make it? Are we going to hit the goals? Are we going to go to the next step? Or am I going to lose the whole thing? I keep saying to myself that someday at certain, at some level of achievement, that fear is going to go away. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't really. And so what do you do? Do you just live in fear forever? Or do you come up with ways in which you can deal with the fear? Because when it comes to making more money, fear will paralyze you and you will never pull the trigger on deals that you need to pull the trigger on. And so I have created a mindset around fear. When I start to get afraid... It only tells me that I have to do more research and analysis. You see, that's what most people don't understand about risk. Risk is connected to fear, and the fear is connected to the unknown. And so I have conditioned myself that when I'm afraid, when I feel risk, I immediately go back to doing research and analysis. I'll give you some perfect examples. And you've done this too. You knew you should have bought that stock. Maybe some of you said I should have bought Bitcoin when it was at 6000 or 7000 or 8000 or 13000 or 15000 or or 19000. I should have bought Bitcoin. But you didn't know anything about Bitcoin. You hadn't even watched a video on YouTube about Bitcoin, but yet you were fearful. You were thinking that you were missing the opportunity. Well, the fear was because you didn't know. You didn't do the work to understand what the hell Bitcoin was or what the stock was, or what the PE of the stock was, or what the chart looked like, or even what the core doggone business of the stock was. So you never pulled the trigger, nor did you pull the trigger on that rental property that you knew you should have bought. Why? Because you hadn't been watching the MLS. 
you hadn't been going to the best real estate agent's website that allows you, like the one I go to in my town, I look at it all the time, where I can map out the properties, I can sort by price reductions, I can sort by newest to the market, I can sort by highest to lowest value or lowest to highest value. So you know what I do? Constantly. I just pull up the website and I sort the data to tell me what is the lowest priced home in my town down to the highest price. And if some of the lowest priced uh places seem like they might cash flow, then I start to do more research to figure out, do I want to buy that piece of property? Now, let's be clear. I hate rental properties. I cannot stand single family rental properties. I think they are a complete waste of time. Single family rental properties are for those people who live in false positive. They think that buying a piece of property that cash flows at $250 or $300 or $400 or $500 a month is a good investment. I consider that to be a complete waste. Here's why. If the property cash flows $500 a month, I'm not interested in owning it because I can't change anything. I can't change a light bulb. I can't change a doorknob. I can't change a toilet. I can't change a faucet. And so I got to hire somebody to do that. And every time I need a plumber to come to my house, let alone a rental property, that's a $1,000 bill. Well, if I'm only making 500 on the piece of property and something breaks, I got to pay a plumber for it. I just burned two months of positive cash flow. I'm not interested in that. I want bigger hits. Back to the point. The point is that fear is connected to you not doing enough research and analysis. Things like, should I buy the stock? Should I buy the rental property? Should I hire more people? Should I buy more equipment for my business? Should I expand or should I contract? All of the fear that comes back around on those questions is solved when you force yourself, condition your mind to do the research and development, the research and analysis. To until you remove the fear, you will operate in fear. The single best way to combat fear is to convince yourself and condition your mind that you will do the research and analysis required until a decision comes. It really is that simple in that if you're still fearful about pulling the trigger on that stock, it is because you haven't done enough research and analysis on that stock, period. Listen to me on that. It is 100% accurate. You are afraid because you don't know. And the way you eliminate the fear is by conditioning yourself to do the research and analysis to know. I'll give you a perfect example. I, as you know, a few years ago made a commitment to move up the food chain in my network and the people that I know and the people that I'm connected to. You've heard the story of how I did it. You'll read about it in the book, You Need More Money. I go in detail about how I went about it. But I literally moved up the food chain in my network. And by doing that, you get introduced on more deals. And I was brought in on this private equity deal. I was, it was brought to me that I could invest in this private equity uh, fund that invested in, in small healthcare companies. Very specific criteria And once the criteria hit, the fund would make the purchase of the business, and I had the opportunity to get involved with the guys that were running the fund. But I didn't know anything about private equity. Nothing. So what's the first thing I started to do? 
my research and analysis. I didn't take my buddy's word for it. Just because he had made money on round one and round two, both had become fully subscribed. In other words, round one was fully funded, round two was fully funded, and I was being offered round three. Now, hear me on that. Just because they had success with round one or round two, no correlation that they're going to have success in round three. I was a little bit late to the game in that capacity, but I was late in building my network. So that's what happens. You get some of the the sloppy seconds, or in my case, the sloppy thirds. So I immediately began to research and analyze what the hell goes on in the private equity world. How do these guys make their money? Because I went to cooking school, man. None of that stuff was taught. No one was talking about private equity at my kitchen table when I was a kid. No one was talking about it with my clients or in my network of people. So I had to educate myself by the research and analysis. You're going to hear me say it a thousand times on this podcast. Fear is connected to the unknown and the unknown originates because you don't have, you have not done the research and analysis. So I started to read. I started to watch YouTube. I literally started to type in what is a private equity deal on YouTube. I used Google. What is a private equity deal? What are the basics of private equity? How does private equity work? Literally super simple searches. And then I began to talk to people that I knew were in the private equity game. Now, I wasn't talking to the guys that I was being offered the private equity deal with. I was talking to the other people outside. They didn't know, they didn't know these guys that I was interested in, in doing business with in the private equity fund. But they knew private equity. And I would ask them this question, and I would suggest you ask this same question. Would you explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old? I know it might sound rinky-dink, and you might be afraid to ask like that because it makes you sound stupid. But I'm telling you, if the person you're thinking about doing business with or looking to get advice from cannot describe the business model like you're a six-year-old in super simple terms, I'm out. I have a pretty good sense of business. I have a very in-tune, street-smart mindset towards business. But I don't know the terminology or the jargon or the lingos. And so I don't want to be told the jargon or the lingos. I just need to know the basics. If a dollar of revenue comes in, how much is the expense and what's left over? And when money's left over, how does that get divvied up in a private equity deal? What is the plan? of the private equity fund. What are you guys looking to do? Are you looking to run these businesses? If so, tell me what happens to the profitability. By the way, the businesses that are in the private equity deal, how do they make their money? What problem do they solve? What niche are they in? Who are the competitors? Like a six-year-old, man. Business like a six-year-old. Don't be afraid to ask that question. Would you do me a favor? Explain it to me like a six-year-old. And the good people will be able to do that. Trust me when I tell you, the snake oil salesmen are the ones that are going to use the jargon and all the baloney when they describe their product or their offering. The really in-tuned ones will describe it to you like you're a six-year-old because they know their business inside and out. Then the last thing you got to do, and what I did on this private equity deal, was I went to the private equity guys and I said, I think I know a little bit about your business now. I've done my research and analysis, but would you guys do me a favor? Explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old, please. And they did. And I was ridiculously impressed. And I invested. Now, my private equity deal that I did was a million-dollar investment. 
but it was broken up into smaller increments. So my first investment had to be $100,000. And then I had to commit over time to invest up to a million dollars in the fund. Um, And so the big component to that is, do you have cash? So after you've done your questioning, could you explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old? And you've done your research and analysis, and the fear begins to be removed because that's exactly what happened for me as I began to really understand how the private equity game got played. It began to make sense to me. I actually began to understand that, wait a minute, it's not this complicated thing. You know what it is? It's pretty simple business. These guys get a bunch of money together. They try to find businesses that make sense, that have some sort of strategic alliance, i.e. possibly a roll up, like one of the deals I did was they're rolling up these healthcare companies in an effort to make small healthcare companies go bigger, and then they want to exit. They want to sell to a large strategic partner. I got it. Makes sense to me. I don't need to be to, for it to be called a roll-up. It's basically you're going to buy businesses until the businesses that you now own get to scale. You'll ensure the profitability because they have a very clear niche and you're, you're better than the competitors and they're throwing off cash. That cash, which the real fancy private equity guys will try to call it EBITDA. Well, I don't need to know what is EBITDA. I just need to know what is, is there cash? Yeah. Well, what's the multiple of the cash? Six times. Great. So if the roll up, if each of the businesses that you guys roll up make a million dollars a year and you roll up 10 of them and now you have a $10 million net profit coming into the, to the group of businesses and you have a six times multiple, well, you could sell it for 60 million bucks. Well, if I put up a million dollars in $100,000 increments, how much of that is mine? And they told me the answer. And I said, well, if it sells for 60 million bucks, I get that percentage back to me. Yeah. Well, then I said, well, is that more than a million dollars? Shit, yeah. Should be three or four times that based on my investment. I'm in. Sounds pretty good to me. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated, folks. But if you don't do the research and analysis, you're screwed because you will be stuck in fear. And the fear will keep you from pulling the trigger 100% of the time. The other thing you have to do once you start to do the research and analysis, you have to begin to understand what is your risk tolerance. Like, what part of the business do you like or do you dislike? I'll give you a perfect example. I have a a commercial uh, real estate investments in which I invest in uh, commercial apartment buildings, right? I don't want to rent to anybody. I don't want to interview the the, 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 the tenant. I'm not interested in the repair and maintenance. I'm not interested in evicting anybody. You know what I'm interested in? Putting my money in and getting paid every single month. I want my distribution. That is a determination of my risk tolerance. Because the person who does want to do the other stuff, they want to find the deal. Maybe they want to negotiate the deal. Maybe they want to develop the deal. Maybe they want to handle the renting of the property. Maybe they want to handle the maintenance of the property. They want to handle the marketing of the property, the accounting of the property. They're going to get paid more because they're solving bigger problems. I don't like that piece of commercial real estate. I like to put my money up. I like to get paid every month. And when the property sells, I like to make a multiple above what my investment was. Very simple for me. That is my risk tolerance. Now, Some people look at my business and think it's an unbelievably risky business, right? We're loaning money 
although they are good credit customers, they're small businesses. And they buy equipment that travels the roads. So one day the truck that we finance might be in Miami. The next day it might be in Los Angeles. A lot of people consider that extremely risky. Well, how do you find your piece of equipment? Well, how do you know that you're going to be able to get your piece of equipment back? I I have such a mastery of my business that that is not risky to me. I have no fear in that. It's a part of doing business. But I didn't know that about private equity. I didn't know it about commercial real estate either. So you got to do the research and you've got to do the analysis. Now, the last component is you've got to have some cash. So you've got to have that vehicle, that platform, that goose that lays the golden egg in which you have the discipline to reserve capital from that. You must force the profit margin out of that goose that lays the golden egg. Otherwise, it isn't a goose that lays a golden egg. It's a dog with fleas. So you got to hear me on that. If you have a business that is not profitable, you don't have a goose that lays the golden egg. In fact, you have a liability and you have a dog with fleas. But you already know that about your business. Your job is to fix that, man. Turn that business into a goose that lays the golden egg. Otherwise, get out of that business. Get out of that career. If you have more month at the end of the money, time for a change, my man. So rule number one, you got to do your research and analysis so you clearly remove the fear. Rule number two, you got to determine what your risk tolerance is. If you want to be the developer of commercial real estate, knock yourselves out. I don't. I don't like it. I'm not interested in spending my time finding those deals. I'm going to let other people do that, and then I'm going to put my money, I'm going to ride their coattails, and I'm going to get paid less of a rate of return than they will, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that because the research and analysis told me I'm not good at that stuff. I got a business that I have to be involved in. I can't be involved in all these other businesses that I don't know much about. I can only stick to my knitting. The number three is you've got to have the cash. So the goose that lays the golden egg has to spit out cash. Now, I talk about this at length in the book, and I've talked about this on the podcast. You have to create a reserve account. So when I started my reserve account in my business 15-plus years ago, I said this business is going to generate a minimum of a 10% net profit margin before tax. Every dollar that comes into the front of this company, the top line, the front door, every dollar that we receive, 10% of that is immediately siphoned off and put into our reserve account. I've been doing it for the last 15 years. Of course, I do it in my personal life as well, and you need to as well. I talk about it at length in the book. The reserve account is what forces your business to become a goose that lays the golden egg, that gives you free cash flow, that gets put aside in this reserve account off to the side so that when the deals come and you do your research and analysis, you have the cash so you can do number four, which is pull the trigger. Pulling the trigger is the hardest component of it all because we are afraid that we are going to lose. We are afraid that if we buy that piece of property that we're buying at the peak. If we buy that stock, we are buying at the peak. And I'm telling you, We're in America. Over time, good business will do good business. Good properties on the right location with the right management team 
with a supply and demand situation that's in your favor will do well over time. The same thing applies with stocks. The same thing applies with private equity. Whatever your business is, you guys know your business better than I do. But if you know the business and you've done your research and analysis, you will begin to remove the fear, which allows you to understand your risk tolerance by having the goose that lays the golden egg that throws off cash, you now have your cash position. And then number four, you're in a position to pull the trigger. And when you pull the trigger, a lot of times you're thinking about, well, how am I doing with the money? Let me tell you one thing that I found with all the people that I've done these deals with, they don't want to hear from you. In fact, if you're the person that's calling them once a quarter wanting to know updates on it, they're not, they don't want to be bothered by that, man. They want to be left alone to do their deal unless you're deeply in the risk side of it with them. If you're the developer, you better be talking to them. If you're the rental agent, you better be talking to them about how, how are we getting people in here. If you're the marketing team, you better. But if you're just a passive investment investor like I like to do on a lot of these deals, then I never talk to these guys. They send me the reports. I look at them. If I have any questions, I'll give them a call, which I rarely do because they're performing beautifully because I trusted the guys. I did the research and analysis. I picked the right people to play with. And you just count your money. And then over time, when it grows, you'll make a big hit. You'll make that 2 or 3 or 4x on your investment. And that's the way you get rich. Everybody has to have investment opportunities that have a chance to make a home run for them. In my business, we make our money on singles and doubles. Onesie, twosie, threesie truck deals. And every once in a while, we'll do a 50 truck deal. That's the home run for us. And in my private investments, I make my cash flow every month. I never bother the guys. I make sure that the math is still working out and the opportunities look good over the future. And then every once in a while, three, four, five, six, eight years down the road, you'll get a call that says in the private equity deal, hey, we're liquidating and your piece is 4X. That's the home run. But you don't get there unless you actually begin to understand where the fear comes from and that you do the research and analysis to begin to remove the fear. Condition your brain that when you are afraid, it means that you have not done enough research and analysis. I cannot stress it enough. It was the biggest game changer for me on how I changed my money situation when I stopped being fearful start conditioning my brain to recognize that fear equals unknown. Unknown is fixable and controllable by research and analysis. Have the goose that lays the golden egg and then have the balls to pull the trigger. I'll see you down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.